Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Man in the Mirror with your host, Hezekiah L. Montgomery, and your co-host, Michelle Johnson. We have a special treat this evening. We have our very own Latoya Rose. I met Miss Latoya last week at an event that I was at, and after hearing her MC, I said to myself, we have said to myself, we have to have her on the show, and here she is. Welcome to the show, Ms. Rose. Hello there. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. And welcome back, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Hezekiah. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited about this guest tonight. Um, But as always, before we get started, we'll start off in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just bow down as humble servants, Lord. Thank you for our lying down last night, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just waking us up, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our health. We thank you, Lord, for our strength. We thank you, Lord, for grace. We thank you, Lord, for mercy. We thank you, Lord, for just being able to meet new people, new guests. We thank you, Lord, for what man in the mirror stands for. We thank you, Lord, for our model, real people, real stories, real overcomers, people who have been through something in their life that brought them to this Brought them to their purpose in life, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for bringing Miss Latoya on tonight, Lord. Continue to bless her in a mighty way. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. And before we get started, if you guys have any questions or comments, please press the number one on your phone and you'll um, be put in our queue. And I want to continue to tell people hey, um, call in at 917 or log in at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash man dash and dash the mirror. But we, you know, we'll have you guys call in because I know Miss Rose was making sure she had some people knew how to call in. And just a brief information about Miss Latoya. This is her story. Believe it or not, I've been in business since I was five years old. Now that's exciting, different. Now, before you call DCS on my parents, let me tell you that it was fun. Legitimate, easy bake oven business where I would bake treats and the neighbors would buy them. Now, many of us are telling our age when we talk about easy bake ovens, but I'm not. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) So, in essence, I have been in business for 25 years. She really told her age since then. More recently, my work as an entrepreneur began in 2009 in Raleigh, North Carolina. In the early part of my entrepreneurial journey, I worked with the city of Raleigh, helping business owners incubate and launch their creative ideas into a thriving business. From there, I worked with Walgreens Company to improve inventory supply chain management and workplace culture in a way that would lead to increased overall profit increases. And that is just a little about a little bit about Miss Rose, but I'm gonna have her actually tell her story since she started at five years old. So she should be a millionaire by now. You know, when you start at five, you know, with the <laughs> easy big oven, she should you know, she should she should be up there with Donald Trump, but that's a whole new story. So Miss mm-hmm. Rose, you know, again, welcome welcome back to the show, Latoya. And I'm gonna keep it Thank personal, Latoya. And we <laughs> excellent. And we want you just to tell us your story because you have a lot going on, and you know I'm going to be keeping track. So if you try to skip over something, I'm coming back to it. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, first of all, again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, you know, it was a wonderful event that we met in. It was a great interaction, and when you asked me to be on your show without hesitation, I knew, like, yes, most definitely. Um, So, yeah, you know, starting in business at age five, I should be a millionaire, billionaire by now. Um, However, life did happen in a roller coaster effect of things, which caused for me to lose focus at times of my entrepreneurial spirit. Um, However, at age five, I started with my easy bake. I started at age five as a response. Yes, I'm sorry. I started at age five as a response of being sexually assaulted. So the reason why I started in business, it was really an escape to keep me busy, 
not to feel like I was worthless, to try to combat all of the negative thought processes that were going on in my head after being sexually assaulted, Um, not by just a man, but also by a woman. And so going from, from five with the easy bake, I found comfort, and it was. It was so fun to just figure out what people liked and then making money off of that. I've always, um, as a response to it, I always wanted to give people something for their money. So I learned how to do that and how to do that with integrity and quality, as well as I learned how to continue to move with the trends and finding out, like, really how does, how does being in business work? From five, um, you know, I went to me and my best friend one one Thanksgiving. My mom, she would put us to work. Um, he would be in charge of clean, cleaning the chitlins. And I remember that day, um, this particular year, he he wanted he didn't want to clean chitlins. He wanted my job, which was picking the greens and washing the greens. And he felt like he could do it better than I could. And then I felt like, well, what you do is not that hard. <laughs> You know, we have to respect what everyone brings to the table because if you've ever cleaned a chitlin, okay, it takes forever to find that skin and separate it. And it's sticky. And, you know, for me, my forearms will become wet because it become it will become very, um, <laughs> a very messy job. And I, I learned after that year, you know what, I'm going to just stick to picking the greens. But what we did with that is we were both in the church, so we were raised in the church. We ended up going to our churches and asking the mothers and the single mothers if, if they would pay us in order to help them with the prep of their of their meals. Because for whatever reason they may not have been like my mom, who was, you know, raising their children to know how to, you know, use a knife and chop up the bell pepper, onion and celery and, and want to be in the kitchen to learn how to make dressings and greens and turkeys and hams and different things of that nature. So we we at at an age of I wanna say we were eight years old. That's when we started kind of making some money. Went from there, started selling peach cobblers and sweet potato pies. To this day, we do so well with that. Um, And then I went on to making jewelry and hair products. So as it relates to the millionaire part, here's where here at this point, this juncture, I was about age 10. And at age 10, I was in school, and that was the first time I experienced homelessness. That's when I my, my household was just shooken, the stability of life, you know, um, and having to go into survival mode. And that all came from my mother being uh, laid off on her job. And so I, I learned a lot. I admire my mother. You know, I think all daughters and moms go through this period where I would say for the daughter, it's a rough patch. But like my dad said, it's the responsibility of the daughter to bring, to get the relationship back in order. Because like T.D. Jake said, we are born to parents who are broken. And they can only give us what they can give us because they're broken. So it's not for me to have drug out the rough patches of our life. It was for me to find that common ground and appreciate her many sacrifices because I wouldn't be who I am right now today because of that. So at age 10, when I, when I learned how to put things together as far as hair products, there was a local stylist who had a great following, um, and he came to the house. He was friends with my mom, and I had just whipped up this batch of hair products for to grow, to grow your hair. And I would sell it in the sixth grade. I would sell it, and girls' hair were being being um, grown. I mean, it was a mixture of, like, cinnamon and olive oil and a couple of other products, and he took it. And next thing I know, he put it on the market and manufactured it and distributed it. And being a young girl and, again, just really combating a lot of the 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 negativity that tried to distract me and and some of the, I was always a loner. So some of the um, things that were going on, I I wasn't worried about getting paid. Like I didn't even think about that part. I just love being a solution. That has always been my thing. If I can help someone, if someone is sick, I just love to make people's life better. So when I encounter you, I want to make your life better. Even if we're not friends, for the rest of our lives, I just, whenever we do depart from each other, I, that's what I want you to say about LaToya Rose. My favorite show um, was Touched by an Angel, and as life happened for me, I started to realize that maybe I was that. Maybe I'm just an angel, and I go through certain things, and I'm in certain situations that are unimaginable, 
because I'm really just meant to do God's will and to experience some things and to transform people's lives. Um, and sometimes you have to go through some things so that you can relate to people and to be able to bring them out and to be that example of hope so that they can not be depressed and they can stop getting high and they can stop numbing themselves with drugs and alcohol or even bad relationships because now they have someone who's sharing their story and they're like, okay, I'm not the only one that's gone through this or going through this and I can get past it. So that for me has been, that's, I, I believe it's just my life mission, you know, and I continued on in high school. I ended up, you know, getting my certifications in accounting at age uh, 16 from the Tulsa Technology Center and numbers was my thing because I felt like in order to be an asset in the world, if you could do something that other people didn't like, which for me, my classmates, they did not like math. And I was always the smartest one in the room or amongst the top three smartest people in the room. Um, and so finance was, was just the route. I mean, it was kind of like <laughs> finance and, and entrepreneurship, they were actually chosen for me. You know what I mean? Um, and they've kept me. When I'm away from being in business or helping people with taxes or understanding money, I don't feel right. And so, um, you know, I went off to college. I graduated high school in three years. If I'm rambling, let me know, <laughs> Hezekiah. Um, oh, you're doing good. I'm enjoying We're enjoying it. Trust me. <laughs> um, I went off to college after graduating early. And, um, you know, that was me graduating the semester that I graduated, um, you know, because I was dealing with some things. I was dealing with, you know, sexual identity as far as, mm -hmm. well, do I like women or do I like men? Or more importantly, who likes me? Because I had been hurt by both, you know. Um, at 16, I was raped again in a McDonald's parking lot. I ended up quitting that job and, and going forward and, and, and elevating, really, honestly, to other positions that were that paid better that was just better environments but um at 17 my thing was I just wanted to be me and I just wanted to be loved for who I who I am even if it's just who I am at the moment and I felt denied to be that um I know in the African-American community we all can contest that our parents, especially our moms, and some people may say this is that that, that strictness comes from the, their dad. But at the end of the day, um, just having to not be yourself and being told that you know you are shameful to the family name and you won't be anything. And honestly, looking back on that, I know that that was my mother's fear that, like she said, that the devil was taking her child from her. And, but that affected me. That affected me. That is when actually our rough time started, when she did not accept who I was at the moment. Like she just didn't accept me. She didn't allow for me to just be me. And we tell parents all the time, you have to allow your kids to be who they are at the end of the day. They are a reflection of not only you, but the other parent as well. And then Yes, there may be some generational curses, but then again, there may just it may just be that they're expressing themselves, and we have to allow for people to express themselves accordingly. Um, and so I did. I swallowed. Because let me tell you how the devil worked on me on this on this incident. He worked on me where he had me count out <laughs> the pills. Okay, I counted out the pills, and he was just a talking to me, and he was just a telling me, "Don't you worry about it. You're going to take ten at a time." Just take 10, 15, no more than 15. And he was, he was walking me through. But it was my voice that was talking to me. So a lot of times people say, well, the devil made me do it. Um, but sometimes that's just another level of our own consciousness that's speaking to us. You know what I mean? So, yes, the dark side of it. I think there's also good sides where God is speaking to us as well. Um, and at the end of the day, if I wasn't going to pass the test, he wouldn't have been able to even speak to me. You understand what I'm saying? So he has to ask for permission to even test us, and it was nothing more than a test. Um, do I feel like I failed the test? I, in the moment, I wasn't thinking about if I had failed the test or not, to be honest with you. I felt that it was time. I felt that my mother, and, and there's, I'm writing a book that's going to be released, and 
I'm going to, you know, really just totally express some things that I haven't expressed here and I, I won't at this time express here that um, I felt that she, I thought at the moment that she knew about and that she just allowed for those things to happen. So when he was talking to me and me thinking about how she was denying me my, my freedom of expression, it made it easier and easier to keep counting out those pills and to keep swallowing them. And I swallowed them like a boss. Okay. I was determined. And when people come to me and here's what I just, education purposes. When someone comes to me and says, well, I tried suicide. I always tell them, honey, you don't try suicide. You try Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You try to ride a bike. You try, you try a lip color that didn't work. Don't try suicide. It's not a solution like that. It's, Suicide is the final thing. So did you want attention or were you determined? Because at that point you attempted. I contemplated. I mean, I think it's the language that we use, but, and, and that's, again, education purposes. Even to this day, even though I am not suicidal, I love my life. I know my calling. I know my purpose. I had to go through that in order to save other people. Um, so I said all that to say that occurred at 17 and not once but twice the first time it was because I had run away from home and she found me and I felt lost I felt like oh my god I have to go back to this prison or I have to go back to a person that does not like me and people my brothers didn't understand my point like to be in a household and all the siblings are gone and it's just you and them it's hurtful because you don't have anybody there to somewhat save you or to, um, and then when you share the story, they, you, they don't believe you, you understand? But there was a response. My mom was responding to what she felt the devil was doing to her life and to her child. And I'm not knowing that, you know, and I'm not finding out until I'm 22 after I've graduated from college that my mother was raped and that's how I was conceived. So, that rough patch and, and just that denial of expression, I believe that that was all a response of just the fear of possibly my blood, my blood father, you know, maybe him coming out of me or whatever his side does, because I've never met him. Like I said, it wasn't until 22 that I even discovered that I had <laughs> a blood daddy, I mean, a blood father, you know, but I was raised with a, with a man, and I'm so grateful for him. Um, he's actually my, my older brother's dad. And when I tell you, this man taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about entrepreneurship. He taught me a lot about saving money, making money, expressing myself. When I told him about, you know, my, my sexual identity and what I was dealing with, he never shunned me to this day. He doesn't shun me no matter what I'm doing. Um, he loves me. He allows for me to be who I'm going to be. Um, and that for me has been very sobering is to just be who I am. Um, do I identify myself as anything other than Latoya Rose? I don't identify myself with any labels. Um, in fact, I appreciate just the construction that God is doing and has done in my life. Just the ability not to fear men, not to feel as though the only way they're going to respect me or want me around is if I'm having sex and becoming their dumping ground. Um, Wow. Me just being able to go around women without feeling like the spirit of homosexuality is going to take over me, okay? So it's been a construction site, you know, for about five years. And currently, within the last 12 months, is when literally it seems like the construction signs left, and now this highway has been open. And honestly, the people that I've served and that, I, that I've been interacting with, like yourself, it has been amazing, and I, I give God all the glory simply because what was meant to shame me or to make me feel shameful has actually been the very strength that I needed to help other people not make them feel guilty or try to condemn them, but it has helped for me to communicate with them, to teach them, to just be an example for them so that they can continue to find their way, even even throughout their expressions, to find their way and to find their strength. Um, so I'm sure I probably skipped over. I, I just skipped really quickly over college. College was great. <laughs> I don't have any bad. I mean, that's <laughs> different things like that. My bad. I know. Because the college, like, well, what about college? That's, 
No, nah, you know what? <laughs> you know what? That's fine. Um, you're listening live with Man in the Mirror with your host, Hezekiah L. Montgomery, and co-host, Michelle, Michelle Johnson. And you're doing an excellent job because you've been through a lot, you know, yeah. from just, you know, 20 minutes. as You you, you did great 20 minutes. But um, a lot has gone on from the age of five until, you know, majority of the beginning of your adulthood. Um, and one thing I noticed, and you, you actually brought it out near the end, um, is is a generational curse that you didn't know was there. It was mm-hmm. there, but you didn't know it was there. And it was passed on to you. It's almost like when we um, when we find our sicknesses in our bloodline that we didn't know was there to the to those genetic traits start to show up. And when they show up, oh, yeah, whose side of the family was that from? And then that's when you find out, hey, it was from your mom's side or your dad's side. So, you know, that's how those generational curses, you know, show up when they're not, when they're secrets or when people just don't say it. But, um, and again, it's actually hard. When from the age of five, you just start getting sexually assaulted by man and woman. Yeah, that's confusing because you think, okay, I came from a woman and I'm not a four or five-year-old. That's just starting kindergarten. So, you know, that's confusing because that will, that that starts confusing that spirit of that child because, you know, people don't realize sexuality and sexual sins are, old, are the oldest things since Sodom and Gomorrah. People don't re- remember that. But when you talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, it's been, it's been there. It's been around since then. That's a demon that's been around since then. So that demon is going to try to confuse those, you know, children, confuse the man, confuse the woman. So we, you know, we just have to be careful. And But unfortunately, you say you found comfort, you know, with the easy bake oven. You know, you know, you started making money. So, you know, you just, you found comfort in that because you were trying to run away from it. Was it easy at that age? Probably not but you were confused. Um, and then um, you did mention something. I'm like, you're, you're a better person than I am because my father tried that with me. I like how you say, you know, you started, you know, as you were getting older, you were getting good at cleaning chitlins. I don't like chitlins. That's just a southern, that's just a southern thing. <laughs> and, my, and I could just have that. As soon as you started saying it, that taste was coming to my mouth because I remember so well. It's like, <laughs> and I kid you not, my father said, yeah, try these chitlins to put hair on your chest. I said, well, me being a little boy, like, okay, I'm going to try these chitlins. Right. And did it put hair on my chest? No. But, you know, I never ate chitlins since then. Mm-hmm. But um, but the, the thing, the thing I, you know, and we can go on because, you know, you started finding respect. You started going to the church. You wanted to help, you know, and then you found out that you had the respect, you know, that's going on between you and your, um, you know, partner when it comes to he clean the greens and you clean the chitlins. You know, everybody's trying to fit in. What is your niche? What do we do? You do it. You do this better. I do this better. So, but you wanted to switch because he wanted to say, hey, look, I'm tired of cleaning the greens. I want to clean the chitlins. So, mm-hmm. but then your entrepreneurship started with the church because so we're going to take this to the church and just start helping ourselves helping them that's when mm-hmm. you started at five but as you were getting older the entrepreneurship started coming in because okay we're going to be hired hands we're going to go and help them in the church because this is what we do we know how to do this we know how to clean chitlins we know how to clean the green you know so you know, you're, it, it's it's almost like you said that entrepreneurship has been bred in you, and you like mm-hmm. to help. And I like and I like how you said um, it's, it's like touched by an angel. You were that angel. You wanted to come and help, and that's the spirit because everybody don't have that spirit of humility and help. Some people mm-hmm. want to help you, and they want something in return. Right. So I consider that as a spirit because you're, you're that humility. But even though you went through something that probably people didn't even know, but even though you went through something, you God still instilled in you a spirit of humility where you wanted to help that helping spirit, or as you say, touched by an angel, because you could have went off and said, "Want to be selfish? Be by yourself," because you were dealing with a lot 
in your life at such a young age. And we never know, and I always tell people, you don't know what a person is going through or went through. So you never know what a person has, you know, been through in their life. So we should not try to talk about it. We should not try to, you know, judge them. We should pray for them. Or we, you know, we, you know, what they say, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. So, um, you know, we never know what a person has been through. And, and and then, again, as you go at the age of 10, you're starting to, you know, with your little hair products. So you're always coming up with something, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, and that's a good thing because a lot of our young people today don't have that entrepreneurship spirit where they say, okay, I want to make my own money. How can I do it? And that's what's lacking today in our young people because we have some, but we don't have enough. Any comments, so Michelle? Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm going to interject really quickly, Michelle. I won't be long. Mm-hmm. As it relates to with, with children, my parents pushed me. My dad and my mother were both entrepreneurs. I believe that, and I had a quote today that, that spoke about that, that if we don't bring out our children's talent and, and show them their worth, their value, somebody else will. I have a niece who is so talented. She's so extremely talented. And... Her parents are doctors, and I believe that as a society, especially, um, you know, they're doctors, but even in, you know, our, our low-income communities, the idea is you need to go get a degree, or you need to become an athlete, or you need to become an entertainer, you need to become something that's guaranteed. Entrepreneurship is not a guaranteed fit, and so why do mm. I make myself available and a lot of my colleagues is because if we were to really allow for our children, if they love to color, if they love to draw, you know, if they like to fix bikes and tinker with things, if we were to really allow for them to master those skills and then show them, if we don't know, partner them with someone who is an entrepreneur to show them how to start a business and run a business and manage the business, because the problem is the lack of education. So as a tax professional, I have to, you know, sit clients down. I have a couple of clients where their children have written songs and they have royalties, you know, but before they had the education of knowing like, okay, here's the kitty tax and here's some other um, ways to help manage this so that it still benefits the household and it benefits the child in the end. We as a community, especially the African-American community, not understanding systems and not understanding what, what really creating generational wealth means we don't always see our kids as wealth or being able to capitalize on what they do because we were taught, depending on the generation that you're in, I'm a millennial, so we're a diff- little different breed. Um, we're taught because right. we observe other people get up, they go to work. Our grandparents, they went to work. They were there for about 40, 60 years. They retired. They got a pension. Well, as mm. technology has advanced and society has advanced, that's not surefire either. So we have to figure out, according to Ecclesiastes 11 and 2, how do we get those seven to eight ventures so that when despair hits, we are prepared? So Ooh. I think our kids is, yeah, I think our kids is a great asset and resource, and they are so talented, and we have got to get them off of these video games or teach them how to develop video games. My brother, he, he started Amen. video games, and my mama, yeah, my mom, you know, she said, well, she said something to him. I think he was about 13. She said, well, what about, have you ever thought about figuring out the program? And he went and figured out the program. But as parents and as adults, we have to be leaders and we have to, you know, train the child the way they should go. So that when they get older, they won't depart from it, not saying they won't make any mistakes, but they'll remember what was instilled with them. And they say, you know what, I don't have to sit here and make minimum wage. Let me go pick up a book and figure out how to make this work and then put a price tag on it and find my customers and make myself open for business, you know? So our kids are our asset, and we have to start really capitalizing on the fact that they are an asset and teaching them how to be entrepreneurs as well. Amen. Look, I wanted to say so much. I was trying to be quiet (laughs) for a minute and, and, you know, just let you guys bring out all the points, but – you know, you brought brought out so much in um, telling your story, and you guys have to forgive me because I'm like got a hole. I have a hole in my mouth right now because I'm choking over here. But um, 
just your story, all the things that you brought out, and I and I was just pulling things out of it left and right. So one, you just have a great testimony. You have a really great testimony that can affect people on so many levels, and so that that's something that I really, really love to hear. You know, yes, parts of of it are horrible things that happen. You know, the the word is true. The word is true when it says that, that all things will work for our good. So those things happen, but, you know, God allowed for there to be some things planted in your life and in your spirit and in you naturally as gifts, whereas though you were able to overcome that, and, and that's just an awesome testimony. And I wanted to say, you know, we've had some really, really great guests on the show uh, with with awesome stories. And I think one of the biggest things that we bring out a lot is that when you really have gifts that are, you know, to to bless people and to, to bring things out, to draw things out of people, because that's the kind of gift that you have. It's not just it's a gift where you're able to bless people, but you're also you're drawing things, you're drawing the gifts, helping people to be able to draw the gifts that are within them as well. And when you have a testimony like that, when you have a purpose like that, it's, it's almost guaranteed, which is, you know, sad, but it's almost guaranteed that early, early on, the devil will rear his head to try to distract because we all know that, you know, his purpose is to, to, to kill, steal, and destroy. And people, you know, they say it, but I don't know if they really get, you know, what it means when it when, when it's talking about killing. It's talking about killing killing us spiritually, killing killing our spirit, our Whatever spirit, whatever gift God has given to us, he's trying to steal those things from us so that we can't use them to be fruitful and multiply. And being fruitful and multiply is about so many things. It's about, you know, God was was saying be fruitful and multiply in terms of people, but also in terms of spiritually uplifting people, Bringing, bringing them closer to their purpose, which is uh, allowing them to do what God has purposed them to do, and being able to bring that out in people, which is which is what you're doing. And then, you know, the devil's also looking to destroy the family as a unit, which is why a lot of times, unless we talk, because we were talking about that even at the event, unless we talk within the family, um, and get past these taboo issues and different things like that, the devil will use that against us. That can be used against us to destroy the family and then, in effect, destroying our purpose and testimony. So that's what, what the devil is really trying to do when he's going after you and even at such an early age. But, you know, thanks be to God you were able to get past that the, the Lord was able to, to bless you, bring you out of that. You were able to come through. You were able to live in your purpose and, and get, you know, where God wanted you to be because clearly you are where God wanted you to be. And I know that took like 10 minutes to say, but I just wanted to say that first. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, we're, we are a little over our halfway mark, but that's good because we're having a good time. We're having a good talk with this fantastic lady who has a dynamite story, and she brings the truth to real people, real stories, real overcomers. Um, we're going to take a little break. We're going to have a couple notes from our um, supporters, Music Instruction for All Learners, Inc., where music knows no age. If you're interested in music instruction, such as piano lessons or instrumental lessons, contact us at 443-574-5491 to set up an appointment to talk to our instructors. And please visit us on, on our new and improved website at www.mefileinc.org. Also, please join us on December 10th, 2016, for our recital performance fundraiser being held at 4443. Bel Air Road. Come see our students perform 
and then be and then be treated with the great sounds of Cameron Starrett and his jazz ensemble. We'll also be blessed with the featured with our featured guest artist Karan Jones, the songstress of Baltimore. You don't want to miss this program. Go to our Facebook page and check in on the event page. We'll see you guys there. Also another supporter is Kirby Boss Project. Kirby Boss Project was created to empower, inspire, motivate, and change the lives of full-figured women. Kirby chicks are boss chicks too, not to mention beautiful, intelligent, and talented. Please check them out on the Facebook at Kirby Boss Project and their website at www.curvyboss.com. We will be back shortly and we'll, you know, listen to this song as we say, I love you forever.
Live with Man in the Mirror with your host Hezekiah Montgomery and co-host Michelle Johnson, and we are talking to the infamous Miss Latoya Rhodes, and she has been a great guest this evening, telling us her story. Um, is one part in her story, Miss Rhodes, that you did forget? So I want to back you up a little bit before we go on. Um, you had you had mentioned in part of your story, um, Latoya, you mentioned you got your master's degree in certification in blind and vision rehabilitation. Tell us about that. Sure. So um, upon graduating from college, I went to Africa. I was there for about a month and um, volunteered at the Lantora Clinic and provided them with, like, restructuring their whole administration Um as it related to medical records. And while I was there, I did a lot of soul searching. And I said, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? And I had secured a corporate position with Walgreens and actually was supposed to be in Deerfield, Illinois, um, in August of that year of 2008. And when I got back from Africa, I was back at my college campus for about a month and you know, I was angry because I was like, man, I'm back into the United States. The love that I felt in Africa was not the same love. I thought I was loved in the United States, but when you go to Africa, you are loved, honey. And so I had to, that's when I went into this deep prayer and meditation and really needing the answers. And God gave me the answers. It was so abrupt. It felt abrupt, but I guess he had been saying it, but I just didn't hear it. So when he finally, I could finally hear his voice clear because of me, I was ready to surrender and stop trying to control. He told me to go to North Carolina. So I did so. And um, like I said in my bio, I worked with them on the local level to get their stores back on track. And then I said, you know, this isn't it. I need something else. Well, I had also had a full ride to get my doctorate, doctorate degree at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in higher education. And I had to wait a year simply because of the way that their scholarships were. Um, they had already dispersed all their scholarships, so I had to wait until 2009, fall of 2009, to enter. And so I was telling my sorority sister and her husband because they um, ended up becoming kind of my sponsor while I was here in North Carolina. And I told them, I said, you know, I don't really feel fulfilled at Walgreens. I said, it's cool to meet a person and ask them, how can I help you? And they need a mascara and I can tell them where the products are or whatever that may be, but I wasn't fulfilled. And so she told me to go to the local school for the blind. She said, they always need volunteers and being in a sorority and just being myself, being of service is important. And so I did, I went there and I filled out an application. They said they were going to call me back. And so as she was touring me on this um, school, now here's, here's the deal. When you go to a school for the blind, you have to go about five miles. You have to go about five miles. They don't play that speeding through. They got speed bumps about every, <laughs> seems like every yard or so. And so as we were driving, yeah, as we were driving, there was this um, this um, this Caucasian, bald Caucasian man. He was walking out of what I know now to be their gymnasium, and he waved at us. Now, mind you, we're just cruising down the street, you know, like we're in California. And so we waved, and he started walking to the car. Now, we're only going five miles an hour, so by the time he got to us, we could stop. And so he said, um, hey, how you guys doing? He introduced himself. And, of course, you know, I told him what I was doing on the campus or whatever. And he said, well, um, you see that building right there? I said, yeah. He said, go up there and ask for um, Dr. Walker. And I want you to tell Dr. Walker um, that you're interested. You know, just tell him what you're doing as far as the volunteer work. I didn't know that God – because this is a God thing. I know what God was doing, you know. I just wanted to be of service. And so I went there with what I thought would be like a five-minute conversation. He would tell me I could come and volunteer. Turned into an hour conversation, and the man had told me I had a, a full-ride scholarship and that I would start school that June. I didn't have to wait no year. And I would be getting a double master's degree, full-ride with a stipend. And wow. the reason why, wow. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So... My niece 
when I was 10, I discovered that she was visually impaired. She's blind in her right eye. I was her only teacher. She's never had any other form of training. So it was divine appointment for me to be able to teach a person who has a, a visual a visual impairment physically, as well as even with business owners, they have an impaired vision of what they're supposed to be doing or what, why, you know, what their purpose is. And so God has given me this ability to work with people who have an impaired vision and to help them to navigate accordingly. Now, I don't heal people and, you know, people who are completely blind. I don't necessarily, you know, touch their eyes and say, see again. However, I'm able to take them from A to Z. So I have a double master's. I teach people cane skills. So I take a person who was isolating themselves in a house for 10 years because nobody cared or everybody allowed for them to be depressed. And I get them out their house, walking again, traveling again. Um, I literally, my first client, she was an 89-year-old lady who had macular degeneration, and uh, she was from Boston. And we worked for maybe about three weeks during my internship. And by the end, we were doing the Amtrak train in order for her to be able to travel back and forth to her hometown from Virginia to Boston. Yes. So from that to teaching women or men who they once were the provider in their families as it relates to cooking and cleaning and different things of that that nature, I do that. The part that was missing that I knew that I had is when they would say, now I'm on Social Security. And Latoya, I can't provide for my family. When those men and women would come and say that, and because of my because of the, the facilities in which I worked, I wasn't able to cross that line and say, well, you can go be an entrepreneur, and here are the resources. I, I, I got recommended one time. And so coming into my own business, that's what I do. I teach people how to be profitable. I teach them how to develop those businesses and find those grants and different monies depending on their total situation. If you're a veteran, if you're a woman, if you're a minority, there are so many programs out here that can position you to be profitable. Not only that, I take the time to do the financial literacy piece to show them how to manage their money as well as how not to allow for this windfall, which is revenue, to cause for them to um, do creative accounting, but again, to start creating that generational wealth. So, yeah, that part is very important because taking that training has been very helpful in my business to transform people's lives. And to realize that all is not lost just because we might not be able to physically see. And then from there, I said, well, I have people who can see and they don't trust me. So then I figured, God said, you have to start sharing your story. They don't trust you because they feel like you've had a perfect life and that you don't understand their struggles. And so I had to start sharing my story. And so I I came up with um, eight tips for staying on purpose that I want to share with your audience if that's okay. Um, Go ahead, because I was about to remind you about that. (laughs) These are things, and there's so much more, you know, that I could share. But, you know, number one is acknowledging that you are important. No matter what you've been through, you're important. Like Fantasia's song says, it was all necessary. What was meant to destroy you and take you out, it was necessary in order for you to be fully into purpose. So discover those activities that make you happy. That's the second thing. What if, if Oprah came to you and gave you a blank checkbook and said, do you, what would you do? What could you naturally do without having to go and get another degree? What could you do right now and then make money doing that? Three, eliminate toxic relationships, including that relationship that you have with yourself. So eliminate those toxic mindsets. They mean you no good. We hold on sometimes because we feel lonely or feel like if I let this person go, we've been friends for 35 years, but guess what? It's toxic. God loves us. Love does not hurt. Love doesn't have you wondering if, why, when. Love prepares a place, protects you, provides accordingly, and professes its love back. So eliminating those toxic relationships and mindsets is is an important key to staying on purpose. The other thing is don't beat yourself up when things don't go your way. Sometimes when we feel like we've made a quote-unquote mistake, we beat ourselves up, but it's all a part of the, the journey. God didn't give us a manual and say, okay, on this particular day, this is what you're going to do, and you're going to make this decision, but you should have made this one. God just wants for us to do our thing and to trust him and to surrender all. 
and to understand instead of asking why, Lord, me, just say, you know what, Lord, thank you. Thank you for trusting me and trusting my strength that I can get through this no matter what. Be adventurous. Be adventurous, okay? I'm not telling anyone to be reckless. I'm saying be adventurous. Step outside of the box. Stop trying to please everyone or do what everyone else is doing because your purpose is totally different than everyone else's. Favor is fair because favor occurs at the appropriate time in which we are ready to accept it as well as to be a blessing. Laugh often and when you want to pout, especially when you want to pout. I love laughing. Tyler Perry had a, uh, was it Tyler Perry that had to play laugh to keep from crying? Now, sometimes we need to cry and purge and get it out, and sometimes we need to cry to as an offering to God, too. So crying is not a problem. Men, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. It's okay to purge that. However, when those little things happen, when people try to test you, you know, when they come for you, just laugh. Laugh even when... People want for you to act out of character. There's no point in doing that. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Seven. Plan your work and work your plan. The reason why so many people, especially in their business and relationships, they get to this point of, of, of complacency and they feel like it's stall and stale is because they're not planning. And, yeah, we only live once and you ought to enjoy the moment. However, plan something because faith without works is dead. And we can't keep praying to God and think that that, praying to God and telling God what you want, yes, that's the first thing is to confess what it is as you see yourself. But then we also have to meditate and allow for God to tell us what the next step is and what he really needs for us to do and be okay with that. So planning our work and working our plan is ensuring that we stay on purpose and we don't get too far in the deep end. The other thing about planning your work is it gives you something to look forward to so that when those disappointments occur, you won't have time to sit around and wallow in that swamp of, of disappointment because you have something else that you're supposed to be doing, okay? And then finally, the eighth tip is to share your story because someone needs to hear it. Someone needs to see how you got, how you got through. And Proverbs 15 and 22 in the um, NIV version, it says to plan Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many wise advisors, they succeed. So if we share our story, then people can get through these rough patches in, or they can stay motivated in the momentum in which they are. So those are my eight tips that, you know, I've, I've kind of revealed or I, I should say embraced as I've been saying on purpose. And I hope that that's been helpful to someone else who might be listening. Amen. Well, it was well, helpful well, to me. Well, trying, <laughs> well, trying to keep up with that. So we're going to um, reiterate. We have acknowledged. Number one, make sure, because I'm going to put this, we're going to put this, um, hint, hint in the shell, put this inside the um, event oh, page. I got this. I got this Acknowledge. already. I got it. I got it right here. Uh, discover <laughs> what makes you happy. Two. Eliminate the toxic mindset or toxic people that may be in your life, and that's one thing that's hard for a lot of people because they want to hold on to it. But um, I learned in my story is the definition of insanity is what continue doing the same thing, expecting different results. If these people keep coming around you and nothing is really helping, gotta get rid of them. Keep it moving. Four, don't beat yourself up if you make a mistake. Five. Now, this was new to me. You say venturous. You know, nothing wrong with you know going out mm-hmm. and trying something new. Um, laughed off six. Laugh often. And and I like what you said. You know, some some people we always teach our young men don't cry, man up. Well, you know what? Even Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept, and he was the, one of the manliest men around. Uh, seven, plan your work, work your plan. And you you put it up with the Bible verse, faith without works is dead. And that's biblical. So there you go. And then lastly, eight, share your story, Proverbs fifteen twenty two, Because, you know, people need to know, as I wrote in the beginning of my book, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel. You're listening live with Man in the Mirror, with your host, Hezekiah Montgomery, and co-host, Michelle Johnson. We're 
having a great conversation with Ms. Latoya Rose. Um, uh, Ms. Latoya, give us, you, you know, your contact information so our listeners will know how to contact you and also about your book. Most definitely. So you can contact me. My website is LatoyaRose.com. You can also schedule a consultation if you're in business, if you need tax information, if you um, need information as it relates to developing or starting your public speaking in or um, authorpreneurship, you can also contact us for that. And if you want to learn about um, funding your events and corporate sponsorships, we have various legs of my business. So you can do that by booking a consultation at Latoya Rose Knows, knows with the S, dot com. You can also follow me on social media. Um, every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, I do a Facebook Live entitled Lunchtime with Latoya Rose, which gives you the scoop on life, business, and wealth hacks. And so you can follow me at Speak Latoya Rose. That's my fan page. Or you can request my friendship on Facebook by searching for Latoya Rose. And also, the book, Money Matters, Life After Graduation, is a resource and tool that I've shared with others by putting out some of the things that I've learned just being, my dad calls me a eight-year-old adult, <laughs> so some reality checks that I that I had to experience with money, because I went from being very financially stable to living in my car, and so I want to share that with you all as it relates to credit, as it relates to negotiating your salaries, finding a job, monetizing your passion, even getting married, and, and the importance of financial coaching premarital as well as during, throughout your marriage. So there's other mm. helpful hints and you can get it on Amazon and you can do that by going to bit.ly forward slash money matters with an S 16. So money matters is all one word and all lowercase, or you can go to amazon.com and search for money matters life after graduation. And you'll see my beautiful brown face on there. <laughs> Um, for you to purchase, you can do the Kindle version or the print version. Awesome. Amen. Any closing remarks, Michelle? Oh, no. I just want to say, I always say no, and then I keep talking. But anyway, <laughs> this has been Yeah, really yeah, we know. We know. Trust me. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much to LaToya for uh, what you shared with our listening audience today. We really, really appreciate you. This went very, very fast, but a lot of good information was definitely shared, and uh, we just appreciate you, appreciate your testimony, and appreciate um, your gifts that you are sharing and blessing people with. Well, definitely, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. you have any closing remarks, um, LaToya? My only closing remarks is that this is the time for us to come together in order to win. We cannot continue to be divided because we will fall. If you know something that can help the next man, share it and continue to build and become self-sufficient because at the end of the day, we are all we have. With God's help, we should move forward. And so you should be able to identify the God and another person and not hoard the information. So I believe that we need to come together and love each other, no matter what our culture is or ethnic background. We need to do our due diligence to make sure that this world is a better place and that we show love and share love. Excellent. I like that. We should come together and love because we are all we have. And I'd like to take this time to thank all those who have been listening, all those who have been in the um, chat room. Uh, we definitely thank uh, Ms. LaToya Rose. She has been very inspirational. And as always, LaToya, you are now part of our Man in the Mirror family. If you have any questions or, or for um, her information, please log in, into our um, event page, and all the information is there. And with that, this is Hezekiah L. Montgomery signing off. And as always, we'll see you at 
the mirror. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can come on let him know I give myself away I give myself away so you can I give myself away what happened if a generation embraced this come on tell me here I am here I am
Give my 